Hello and welcome to Drafting the Dregs. This is your place for all things EPL. Oh, I've just lost it again. It's because I have to say, I can't say, just, just so everyone's aware, I can no longer say this is your podcast for all things Draft EPL Fantasy. I have to say this is your place for all things Draft EPL Fantasy because now we're live streaming. Sorry about that, boys. We've got Gilby, we've got Mick. Um Maybe one of you could do it next week. I've obviously just stuffed it up again. This two weeks in a row. Definitely not. Yeah. I do not take any responsibility. That sounds good. <laughs> I mean, I thought you were just thinking like how to say the word fantasy for a live streaming thing without sounding weird. So yeah. Oh, All okay. Good. I I see. Yeah. Okay. You okay? Maybe not. But uh, look, boys, we're here to talk about. Uh, our group's draft this week. So it's happened. It's completed. Boys, initial thoughts. How did we go? Are you happy with how you drafted without giving too much away? Gilby, um, let's start with you. Happy, content, not crying every evening? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty happy. I'm surprised with how it ended up. Um, I had a plan going in and it pretty much went to plan. Okay. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm happy, but I've gone with more risk than I have in the past. So that's something we'll talk about soon. Well, I'm keen to hear what that plan is. Mick, how about yourself? Uh, very similar to Gilby. Um, I definitely went in with the plan. And unlike normal where I went risk, I tried very hard to stick to it. I spoke <laughs> about it in last week's uh, ep. Um, and there was a few guys that I saw sliding down the board and I wanted to, I was like, oh man, I think at this point they're a great shout right now, but stuck to my guns. I stuck to my structure I wanted to, and I avoided them to fill a slot I didn't want to fill yet. So okay. I, hopefully it doesn't come back to bite me, but I, I'd say uh, safe was a good way to describe how I went this year. I, I definitely stuck stuck to what I wanted to do. Okay. Well, uh, I um, you, you'll be pleased to know I went in with very little plan, but I'm still pretty happy with how it all went. So I, I can't say I had too much of a plan going in other than, you know, having the data in front of me that I thought would be useful. Um, and that was really about it. So I guess we'll we'll jump into it really soon. But I think the first thing that we want to talk about uh, in this podcast today would be the draft night vibes. So Gilby, you hosted again, um, which is very, very kind of you. We had a satellite draft going on as well, Mick, which you were a part of. Um, Gilby, first up, how? what was the vibe like? When did people start arriving? Did uh, Did... Did it kick off early or were people pretty subdued? What, what was the vibe like when the we first initially got there? Yeah, well, being that I live over the north side of Brisbane, similar to yourself, um, a few people were leaving work early. Uh, so Jeff was the first person to arrive. Uh, similar to the last couple of years, I think, when I've hosted, Jeff's generally been first. Um, <laughs> Dave was next. Again, both uh, they were leaving work uh, early from the city and coming directly over. And uh, then there was like uh, basically everyone else just kind of arrived in one big group um, as they could get off work and get themselves sorted. So, yeah, I mean, I think it was a lot of fun. Um, we, um, as always, it was good to catch up with people I hadn't seen for all year except online. Um, and, yeah, I, I think it was a really good night. Absolutely. There was a, you know, we, especially as the draft was going and at the end as well, we had a, had a few games and things going on. Pizza was involved. There was plenty of, well, for some, plenty of beer, uh, plenty of beverages of choice. Um, Mick, now you, obviously, you and Dan aren't in Brisbane uh, at this point in time. How, how was it for you guys? Because you were up in Rocky. Uh, what was your evening like? 
Uh, subdued, very subdued. Um, just the two of us. Okay. We are. Uh, I mean, it, it was well set up. I think it was a better set up for us at our end anyway than it was last year when I think it was uh, Dan, myself, and Ben. Um, we had uh, the the draft board that I think we will show a bit later up on our big screen and yep. the laptop in front of us that we had you guys on and and the list that we were typing into at the time because I was uh, in charge of that one and. And then Dan and I both working off our phones there in terms of ranking players, but um, yeah, it was it was pretty good. Very very quiet from our side. Um, but in saying that, sometimes that may not be the worst thing because <laughs> we can just mute you guys and not hear all the crap going on, um, and you don't have the uh, the helpful advice of others. Yeah, fair enough. I can understand that, uh, but. Did we were you a bit jealous of the noise and commotion happening at certain points in time, Mick? I mean, I he still really don't understand this. I, I still don't <laughs> understand this duck race thing. I think you guys are going to talk about it, but I, I just don't. Every now and again, the camera would turn around, and then you go on about how this duck with chevrons needs to win, and and how the uh, the red duck is coming home, and. I, it was just really confusing. So I, I can't wait to hear what that's all about. We will definitely be talking about that uh, very, very, very shortly. Um, yeah, that was that was an interesting part of the evening. We might get onto that now because the next thing we need to talk about, because um, people who have been listening in will know that, um, you know, and as Mick said, we don't use the official draft uh, to do our drafting per se. We actually do that later. We use a, a, power, uh, sorry, a spreadsheet to do that. Um, and the draft order isn't, just randomly chosen for us. We have a specific method of doing that, which I'll term and uh, call the Wheel of Fortune. So, Gilby, what's the Wheel of Fortune all about? How does it work for us? And um, how is that going to be the way forward in the, in the future, do you think? Yeah, well, basically, I think we uh, explained it last time, how it goes on last season's results, where the manager that finished last got the most uh, spots on the wheel. I was in charge of building the wheel this year. Um, so they got the highest chance of getting the first opportunity to select a draft position. We spoke about that last time, so I won't go on further into that. Um, but yeah, we just spin that up and that decides the order that you select your position in. Um, as to whether or not that will last, um, we'll probably get into the duck race pretty soon and what that is. Um, but essentially, one of the years, I think it may have been Mick even recording a podca- a video where he did a camel race, um, where <laughs> that was deciding our order. So essentially, it was like a fake electronic camel that would race to the end and whichever order that came out, that was our draft. So uh, in between, while we were waiting, I think for Mick and Dan, I was searching for camel race, trying to find that. And I randomly found a website that had a duck race. And that may end up being our future draft uh, selection strategy to race your ducks. So we'll see how that goes. And we may even like live stream that. I'm sure that'll be a highlight for everyone. <laughs> uh, I must say the uh, the ducks was a good um, addition to the evening. And I think we really got into it. Um, and could definitely see a bit of betting going on later on. Uh, I, I, I see a, maybe a big, uh, I think we may, may have even said maybe we get some um, some r- Russian billionaires betting uh, on that particular race and outcome. I think that could work quite well. It was, it was a bit of fun. It was good. And I think having like 100 on the board, <laughs> 100 on the screen, 100 ducks trying to you know get across the line first was quite interesting. So. You know, we'll see what that looks like moving forward. Now, in terms of that, um, who can recall the first name that came out from the Wheel of Fortune? Gilby, who who came out first and was that a surprise? 
Uh, the first name out was our brand new manager to the competition, uh, Justin, or Cranny, as we generally refer him. Uh, he had five selections in the board, so he was uh, not the most likely manager to come out, but he was the first one out. Um, and do we want to go through the order now for the rest of it, or are we going through what happened from then? Well, let's say, yeah, let's go through the, the, the order. So Cranny came out first. Obviously, yep. just a reminder, Ben had the most chance yep, he had nine on spots on the board yep yep so he had the biggest chance but he didn't come out first did he come out second gilby he did not uh oh. jeff our former two-time champion came out next uh he had six spots on the board i think or four um i can't remember that much uh but yeah he, uh, he, was, was, out next. he was definitely six because he did a did a, yep. a bit of maybe a bit of tanking toward the back end of the season oh yeah. it was allegedly <laughs> Allegedly in the last round. Allegedly, Your Honor. Yeah, allegedly. Allegedly. Um, Yep. And then (laughs) I was next out. I had seven spots on the board. So fairly likely to happen. I came out third. Um, Dave was next. Um, He had four spots on the board, I think. Um, And then after that, I think it was Isaac. Yep. Then we had... Was it Dan or Mick came out Dan, next? Dan. Dan came Dan. out next. Yep. And then Ben. So it took a long time for poor old Ben to get on the board. That was very, very... Uh... By that time, he had nine out of a possible 13 yes. slots. Yep. It was it was amazing that he didn't get it. Yeah, I felt really bad for him, to be honest. Like He yep. did, did not deserve that. Yep. So he came out next. And then we had uh, Mick. No, Nathan. Out. Oh, Nate came out before you. That's right. And then Mick came out last of all. I, and I Mick got had it when there was three, three out of spots. three. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. It was, Mick was the last one off the board there. I remember that. Thank you. Um, I should have probably recorded that and played it back and written that down. But anyway, we always specialize in preparation in this podcast. So 100%. that was a really fun part of our draft. I think um, uh, that will probably continue that we'll do that live. Um, added a little bit of fun to the night, I think. So yeah. the strategy might good. vary depending on the year. But I think that's pretty fun. And I'm sure we'll go through what spots everyone selected in a second. Absolutely. Now, doing it live was good. I think that was a good addition. I think then adding maybe the duck race to that could be uh, even more special. Um, (laughs) So that could be a lot of fun. That could be a lot of fun. So, look, Craney came out first. Now, Craney had the opportunity then to pick which um, spot to draw from. So that's sort of, we do it a little bit differently. That's how we like to do it. If, If you're looking to do a draft, you can do it however you want. You could let the EPL... Um, uh, official EPL draft site do it for you, but you know we have a bit of fun with it now. Given that Cranny is new, um, he decided that he didn't want to go first. He wanted to take the third pick. Um, what do we make of that, boys? Do we think that was a good thing, considering you know he's new to the game, just wanted to get a feel for it, or do we think that maybe he should have just gone bit the bullet, taking the first pick? Uh, I think the strategy was pretty good. Um, I like it. Like, yeah. like I said last week, I think there was a clear top five, in my opinion. Um, so as long as you're in that top five, you can basically get rid of your risk by picking the wrong one, by going fifth and getting whichever one's left over. Um, particularly in this league this year, an actual player, you get 18th pick if you get first. Um, so I think by going 30, moving yourself up two slots to 16th. Um, and I, I think that was a better option. I mean, potentially it could have gone even lower. Uh, being a new guy in the league, maybe it would have been easier to have more time between picks. Potentially, um, but I, I think he had to go in the top five. 
going one, there's no point. You may as well, you're still going to have a selection and a choice and option if you're mm. a little bit lower. So I think he did the right thing. Uh, yeah, I think that revealed that he may have done some kind of research because um, some a lot of the reports I was reading was saying, like, if you had to select a spot, what's the best according to the data? And um, a few articles I read or found uh, were saying they'd select spot three, four, or one as the top three selections. So, yeah, I mean, I think he chose a really safe um, spot mm. for himself in the first go round. And I think we did some data on our own draft at some point. I think you might have done it, Mick, at some point, saying that maybe third or fourth was the best um, best in terms of you know outcome at the end of the season. Yeah, that was based off all of our previous results. Yeah. Um, obviously, an eight-man league at the time there, where based on where everyone's drafted from, um, what position historically they've done well from. Um, fourth has always been really good, third and fourth. Second as well. First has never won the league. Um, as well as that, I believe it was seventh has also never won the league. So first and seventh, worst spots to draft from. I think with first as well, like in previous years, it's probably been a little bit easier. Sal is as good as a sure thing to get you 200 points. Um, you'd think. I mean, I, I said after his first year that he wasn't going to do it again. I think he's done it every year since. So you're relatively safe going something like that. But as soon as you slide down the order, you take a little bit of that risk away because you don't have the choice anymore. Um, but you're still pretty much guaranteed a, a good solid player yeah. there. Look, I said to Crane on the night, I think that was the perfect move. I And I said to him that I probably would have done that myself. If I, if I had to come out first, I probably would have said, yeah, I'll take third pick because I would. you can make an assumption that the top three players in, EP, in the EPL game or FPL game will probably get similar-ish points. So you're not losing out too much provided you don't go with a crazy pick like Ings or something like that. But um, I think he's done the right thing. So I think that was a really good really good choice on his part. Out of curiosity, Gilby, would you have gone third? I would have gone fifth. I was debating for anywhere between first to fifth. Um, and I probably would have – I would have based it on um, just like just the numbers in the end and gone with it. I probably would have gone second or third. Because uh, I do like having my selections a bit closer together than most people. Just a personal preference. There's no data that indicates better or worse for that. Um, so I would have been tempted to go second. I may have gone third. Um, but yeah, I would have gone second or third. I wouldn't have chosen first. The only one thing that would have swayed me, because I, I would have gone third, but the one thing that would have swayed me was that Jeff had the next pick and he was always going to go first to get Salah. So I feel like I may have gone, okay, I'll go first and I'll take Salah just so he didn't get him. That would be... My only thing, because he's pretty much got him uh, definitely three in three of the drafts that we've done where Salah's been available. So he's a, he's a he loves Salah. He got him this time. I might have just taken first to spite him. But in any case, let's move on. So Craney picked third. Then it was pretty straightforward from there. Jeff, who had the next pick, picked first. Gilby, you picked second. Pretty comfortable with that? Yeah, no, I was happy with that. I was always going to cool. go that way. And then Dave uh, picked fourth. Myself, I picked fifth, Dan picked sixth, and then Ben, who was the unlucky person really to be so low in the uh, picking order, decided to go for the double up with ninth, which, to be honest, is probably a pretty good move at that point in time. Uh, Mick, would you have gone for something like that if you'd had that choice at that pick? Um, having the first six had already gone, possibly. I mean, I, I did the same thing last year. I had a pick around there, a couple behind me, and I went last. Um, I really struggled and I said if I had the chance I'd go up but like I said the top five were really clear 
And then there was a bit of a gap, I think, to the next run of players. So I think going ninth wasn't the worst idea because he got the 10th pick as well. So he pretty much got he, – he's the only person that gets two of the top 10 selections. So um, I, I think that, that's probably the right play, um, mm-hmm. especially if he didn't think there was a clear top nine yeah. – top eight, sorry. So uh, then, Mick, you went for seventh. And no, hold After on. After Nathan went right. for eighth. I apologize. Nathan went for eighth to get probably closer to his, you know, uh, closer picks, which is fair enough. And then, Mick, you had the unenviable task I, I had of the, picking the, the, I had the choice of going seventh or seventh. <laughs> or seventh so or seventh. And what do we say? No one's ever won from seventh. No one has ever won from seventh. So you truly but did we've... have the dregs. <laughs> Absolutely. It got very druggy towards the end of the draft, which we will see very soon. You wouldn't believe it, but I set up my own wheel throughout that day at work to show a co-worker of mine what we were doing. I would believe it. And I did the same thing. I spun it. Ben came out first, removed him, got all the way there. You wouldn't believe it. I got last. So I went, well, at least I know that won't happen again because what are the chances of that? They're good enough, apparently. So that's, (laughs) that's impressive. There you go. Well, look. I think it's time that we start having a look at the draft board. So I'm going to bring that up. Now, um, we we need to go through the first round, and I would love to be able to compare it to Mick what your predictions for the first round picks were. We've already maybe spoiled it a little bit. Well, not spoiled it, but I think everyone knew that, that Salah was going to go first, especially if Jeff uh, decided to, to take him. So we'll go over to the draft board now. You'll get to see the whole draft, but we're just going to focus in on the first round. safer of the two elite picks. Absolutely. Um, so then... they should have been um but yeah I, I think yeah pretty happy with that as expected so far yep so in terms of picking harland on there we, we were talking about that last week uh i i'll be honest if i didn't pick up harland i didn't know who really to pick up <laughs> i'll be totally honest with you i just figured i couldn't leave harland um i know he's gonna i know he's not a known quantity in the league but i you know, you've got to take that risk and think that he's going to score some valuable points. If, um, 
if it was me in your spot, Isaac, um, I would have gone the safer of the two options and I had a look at it. I actually, on my board, I would have taken TAA um, yeah. with your selection, but that was just me going with a more safer pick as yeah. opposed to Harland. Um, but yeah, I can definitely see where you've gone Harland. I'd be happy with either of those two as my first yeah. pick. It was definitely out of just TA and Harland. A little note there. Apparently when you put in the... Uh, draft board up there Isaac you, our sound is cutting out so something to keep okay. in mind there getting a few comments cool well I will try not to do that then at this point in time it'll be interesting be different but we'll see how we get on uh thank you for letting me know that seems a bit odd I will see if we can rectify that but um yeah we'll see how we get on so then looking at that um Diaz for Dan what do we think about that one in particular Diaz because was he in your top nine Mick Diaz? He, let me bring up that top nine. He was not. He was not. No. Okay. So there was two slightly different. Um, he was not in my top nine, but seeing as I had the next pick after, I was okay with that. Yeah. So um, obviously you were with Dan. What was he? Did he say too much to you in and around that pick? Not specifically. I think for him, um, he probably looked at more the forwards that were available, the midfielders that were available, because that's, I guess, traditionally where the points are. Yeah. Um, and he basically decided that there was no better mid or no better forward in the pack, which I could probably argue for him. That's probably fair. Um, yeah. So it was between him and TAA, and he just went with Diaz because he, I guess the, the assumption there with, especially start of the season, Joss is out with a bit of a hamstring complaint that he'll at least start the season. Um, and he's... Yeah. Fitted in pretty well towards the back end of last year, so fair enough to it if he takes over Mane's spot straight away. Yeah, no, fair enough. And uh, so I guess the only other one, like I think we agreed that Cancelo should really be in that top nine. Um, he was definitely there, I believe, when when we spoke about it last week. Obviously, Nathan taking Vardy. Um, what are the thoughts there, boys? Just to round out, talking about the the first round. Horrible, horrible pick. Horrible, horrible pick. Okay, Mick. You was that a risky? I, I'm not going to say horrible. I'm going to say there's risk associated with that. Um, mm-hmm. Leicester have done nothing this period, which I would assume is a bad thing. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't really lost anyone in terms of their attacking output, but they are a team that don't really strike me with much hope. <laughs> um, okay. Buddy is the type of guy that will overperform. If he can stay fit, he should get him 10 to 15 goals. But in saying that, there's Ivan Tony, Patrick Bamford, Calvert Lewin all way down the list in rounds, and they're 10 to 15 goal strikers as well. So if Vardy performs, fantastic. But I feel like at worst, for pick number eight, he would have been there. Ben wouldn't have picked him in the next nine or 10 slots, so he could have got him at 11 at worst. Yep. Yep. No, that's a fair enough point. I mean, obviously, uh, again, uh, if I'd have got to that stage where Nathan was, I probably would have struggled knowing exactly who to go for. Um, you could argue that like Kane and have and Harland have already gone. So in terms of if you wanted to pick up a, a really good forward, who's left? Well, Vardy and Jesus would probably be the two that come to mind. Uh, you could maybe argue Ronaldo, but with the uncertainty there at the time, it was maybe a difficult one to to go for straight away. Um, so I think that yeah, it was probably uh, I. I 
I don't mind it if then what you do with your next pick is okay. And I think what he's done with his next pick is okay. So we'll have a look at that, obviously, moving through. But we obviously want to have a look at each of the managers. We want to, what we're going to do, we're going to grade from an A to an E. We've got two teachers on the podcast. So that's going to be something that's quite easy to do. And, and, and Mick, your, your lovely better half uh, is also one. So you've probably seen some grading uh, happen in your time as well. So A to E, should we start with Jeff? Should we start with Jeff who had that first round? Uh, I'm going to see if maybe I can uh, share the screen um, maybe just online and see if that will come through. I'll just tinker with that. But boys, let's have a look at Jeff. So Gilby, did you want to maybe take us through who Jeff picked up in order of pick up? Yeah, so he had Salah as the first pick, and then he would have been overjoyed to see Robertson come back to him for the second mm. round. Um, I think a lot of people were picking Robertson a bit earlier than that. Um, I was very close to taking him, um, but we'll talk more about what I did with my second pick a bit later. Uh, then he went with his mids. He had Foden and Zahar um, to attacking mids. I know he's really uh, rating Foden this season, so he's really happy about that one too. Uh, Koulibaly, um, questions on that one for me. I'll get to that a bit later. Um, then he became the second person to take a goalkeeper. Um, Allison was gone. I know he would have been loving to have Allison, but he took the <laughs> next best. Um, he took Edison, the city keeper. Then he actually Trippier. was third keeper. He was third. third was he on the coming back. Oh, okay, yeah, that was coming on the back reverse, down the yeah. order. Okay, so third to take a keeper then. Uh, then he had Trippier. Um, I know he was overjoyed to have Trippier. Really likes him. Um, DCL, he was less overjoyed about, um, given his record last season for me. I know exactly how he felt. Um, Smith Rowe, Ben White, uh, Jota. It was, again, really happy to, that he fell that far. That was a bit of a surprise for me. Um, Elise, your um, next big thing at Palace there, Isaac. Mm -hmm. uh, Neko Williams, he really rates highly. And Ketia, he likes, is just a bit of a risk. And then he finished off with a safe goalkeeper, Robbie Sanchez from Brighton. So to me, when I look at his draft, a couple of things stand out. Uh, for me, at least in my opinion, Edison way too early. Um, I don't really rate Koulibaly that early either. Um, I... I parts I really like. I really like um, Elise that late in the draft. Salah is going to be great. I don't think he can go too far wrong there. Robertson, he would be overjoyed that he's dropped that far. To me, uh, it's questions whether he had uh, Enketia, whether he's even worth drafting with that last spot. But as a last forward, maybe um, I went with a B for Jeff for his drafting. Okay. Mick? <clears throat> I, I had a B down for Jeff as well. Um, very similar. I think his top four picks, Salah, Robertson, Foden, Zaha, I can't go wrong. That's pretty solid. Zaha at pick effectively 36 in our draft. Um, I mean, he's a midfielder who can play as an out-and-out -out striker, yeah. which historically in this game does very, very well. Penalty taker. Um, yeah. So I think – and I think he scored a few goals in preseason. You're the Palace yeah, expert he here, but yeah. he's done yeah. pretty well so far. So I think they're, they're all great. Um, again, Edison early – what it did allow him to do, though, is Edison's the type of keeper you can play every game and not worry about. So it means he, meant he didn't have to care at all about his backup keeper um, so he could prioritise everything else. In saying that, I do agree. I think uh, Jota, great pickup. That's one that I was looking at that was really tempting me. I picked mm -hmm. up my two forwards in rounds yeah. three and seven, um, and he was sitting there, and that was at the start of round 11 he picked him up, and he was yeah. sitting there for eight, eight, nine, and ten, and I was like, I looked at his stats from last year and even though he may not start every game, his points per game is ridiculously high. 
yeah, it's worth the risk to have him. But I just didn't want to go away from my strategy, and I'm hoping that pays off. But if he comes out and has a blinder, a 200 point plus season, um, it's going to make me look foolish. But the other things I'm worried about, so Koulibaly, he's never played for Chelsea. We have no idea if he's going to start. I'm assuming he will, based on the money they put and the fact that they got rid of Rudiger and Christensen. Um, so that they've only got Thiago Silva there. But that's a relatively brand new backline. Chilwell's coming off an ACL. They've got Reese James there as well. So it's a bit of a, a new backline there. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I like Trippier. Ben White's an interesting one. Is he going to still start with Saliba coming back in? Um, a few of the teams I've seen have actually had him playing it right back and Tomiyasu out, but I wouldn't even go that far. I'd see Tomiyasu's probably going to go right back. Um, so a little bit of a, a risk there. And then Elise, obviously, who knows where he's been. He's been injured all preseason, hasn't played at all. But that's a potentially a great pickup. But could he have waited around, picked up someone that will score in points in the first round and picked him up week two? Quite possibly. And then, like you said, Enkedia with Jesus there now, not expecting him to do too much. Um, the question is, that was actually the last forward taken in the entire draft. So there wasn't really much else at all. So I, I think a B, a B is pretty safe. Um with Salah, Robertson, Foden, and Zaha, you'd still expect him to have a pretty solid season. Um, I think I, I agree with the majority of that. Uh, the one thing I disagree with uh, when I heard it was the Edison pick. I don't think it's too early, personally, because you're guaranteed 150 points. And he's going around six. Like, if you look at what comes underneath, um, so Trippier, Calvert-Lewin, Smith-Rowe, White, Jota, Olise, Williams, Nketia, Sanchez... You can't comfortably or ga- you can't guarantee that any of those players are going to get over 150 to 160 points. So I don't mind that pick there. You can see that he's obviously reacted to other keepers starting to go. And I totally get that as well. You don't want to necessarily miss out on a, a really good keeper if you don't have to. If you think that you can't get other players who are going to score you more than 160 points, I see no problem in actually picking him up there. You know that that that's my takeaway. Uh, you could you might have a different thought, but that's how I sort of see it. Um, but yeah, I think there's definitely some risk there. Um, obviously, we mentioned you know Jota's injured at the moment. Um, uh, and Kedia, you could say Smith Rowe is a bit of a risky one, given that Martinelli will probably start in that spot. Um, Koulibaly, we don't know what Chelsea defense is going to look like straight off the bat. Were there some better defenders there that he could have picked up before Koulibaly? Maybe, um, but. You know, I would I would say a B as well overall. So I'm I'm quite comfortable with that. Um, boys, should we Gilby? Should we look at should, should we look at Gilby? Do we rate ourselves? Is I, that I'm okay? Not sure. I don't know. I mean, yeah. <laughs> we, we should rate him first. I could. First. Yeah, go for it <laughs> if you we, want. We, we give our analysis he, first. He, he can criticize our criticisms. <laughs> How's that sound? So, okay, well, uh, Gilby went for, for De Bruyne, pick number two. Um, fifth, uh, sorry, seventeen on the way back, Madison. Um, then he went Chilwell, Ronaldo in round four. So if I just start with those, De Bruyne number two, can't go wrong. Pretty happy with that. Madison, round end of round two, looking at what else was on the board. Foden still there, Zaha, Bowen and Kulisevsky, Mares, Sancho, still a few there. Um, similar to Vardy, it's an interesting one. Um, I have seen a few rumours, and I, you kind of alluded to it. I don't know if Madison, you're saying that maybe that, if he moves, he's worth more. I don't know if that's what you may be alluding to, um, but I think he can be great. He's got a World Cup to try and play himself into, um, so that, that'll that help him for the start of the season anyway. Um, but I don't know whether that was necessarily the right right play that early. 
Um, but Dylan Chilwell, round three, and if he does anything like he did for his six games last year, he's going to be a gun. Um, I had him for those six on a pure point-per-game basis. He annihilated everyone last year. I think he almost averaged 10 points. Um, I can't see him doing that. He did score something like four goals in 10 games, uh, six games. Um, but that, that's a ridiculous return. Ronaldo, round four. Now, this is where it probably gets a little bit tough. Your forwards, you've got Ronaldo, Watkins, and Alvarez. Watkins, great. If Ronaldo leaves and Alvarez doesn't play, you're light on. That's probably where a little bit of risk, which individually, sure, you can play one striker, that's fine. But then you got to look at, okay, who's your worst, worst two midfielders? Gundogan and Trossard. Gundogan, I had him, can be great, can never get a minute. So if he doesn't play and then Alvarez doesn't play and Ronaldo leaves, you've only got 12 players left and the goalkeeper's one of them. So that, that's where there's a little bit of risk. But like I said in last week's pod, your last four picks were probably the, the riskier ones where you might pick up or the short-term ones. Um, so it can work out. Um, other midfielders with De Bruyne and Madison, Ward-Prowse, Trossard, Gundogan, like I said, all good attacking threats. I like it. Um, if Gundogan gets minutes, fantastic. Trossard, if he plays up front again, fantastic. Ward-Prowse is a gun. Um, free kick specialist, so he'll get a few goals here and there. Watkins, I think, is a great pickup as well at, if if he starts over Ings all season. Um, defenders, Chilwell, Dinier, Doty, Tomiyasu, and Kanate. Um, since the draft, Kanate's done a bit of an injury. Um, I can't remember exactly how long, but has been ruled out for a little bit, which is unfortunate. Um, Tomiyasu, Doty, Dinier, and Chilwell, all wingbacks. I'm assuming that's a bit of a theme which when we get to isaacs is the opposite um so it's a bit of a, an interesting one that he's gone very attacking for that um and a lot of them are set piece takers as well which i'm assuming isn't um by accident there so i think overall it's a solid team there's a bit of risk there with ronaldo but if it pays off around four ronaldo means he's got to bring down ronaldo to first round picks so one of those that you're probably happy to take the risk and you just got to hope it pays off yeah um what grade did you give me, Mick? Oh, here we go. Oh, sorry. I did put you down for a B there as well. Um, the one thing that I'm sure it was, I remember you making comments of it, but if you'd had a, somehow managed to pick up Martial as your third forward, I probably would have gone a straight B easily. Um, but there is a B and like, if you'd caught me on a really bad day, I might have put you a little bit lower. <laughs> um, but hey, it, it's it's holidays for me at the moment. So I'll give you a B. Yeah, look, I'll, I'll, I'll cut straight to the chase, Gilby. I'm going with a B as well. Um, I, I think there's some definitely some good picks there. I think, you know, you've you've taken some risks, but they could well be pretty good educated risks as well and, and lead to a fair few points. Um, and I think that you've given yourself, uh, maybe other than the Fords where you might be a little bit out, depending, you've given yourself flexibility in other areas um, with some good attacking and the good set-piece players. Um, De Bruyne's a great pickup. Madison has been killing it pre- pre-season, so I can totally understand why you've gone there. Um, I think I think a lot of people really put a lot of emphasis in attacking defenders. They were really valuable last year. I wonder whether they'll be as valuable this year. So Chilwell as your first defender, third round. Um, I'm not entirely sure about, but if you want an attacking midfielder, oh, sorry, attacking defender, then it's probably the right place to take him considering what else had gone. So, yeah, I think not not too bad at all. Um, I'd like to know your strategy, Gilby. That, that's what I'd love to know because you've, you've spoken about it. Uh, you've alluded to it. Don't, don't leave us guessing, mate. What was the strategy? 
Uh, well, last season, um, I was 100% convinced I drafted comfortably the best team, and that turned out to be very wrong. So I've had a look at some of my old drafts and where I finished that. And what I was aiming towards this year was a bit more of a balanced team uh, with multiple routes to scoring points. Uh, last season, when I looked at it, I believe I had a really elite forward line. At the time, I believed it was really elite forward line. <laughs> and then I was trying to rotate my defenders all the time. I just deliberately picked with defenders and would look at the fixtures and target shutouts each week, which did not work at all. So what I wanted to do is have multiple routes to points, whether that was set pieces, as you've already identified, whether it was a striker, whether it was a defender um, that would maybe contribute some attacking points along with a chance at a shutout. Um, I wanted to give myself as many opportunities to score points um, and then build in a bit more flexibility this season um, and be willing to take a lottery ticket with my last selections um and yeah i just tried to have a bit more fun with it uh go into a bit more flexible and um just go with what i felt at the time very good look i'm i'm just going to change the scene quickly back to the uh the draft board just so people can have a quick look a reminder um i can't say that i've fixed the audio unfortunately but i'm just going to let give people a quick look so i'll The video so boys let's talk about craney um being his first time drafting picking up son first is obviously really good uh i'll quickly run through the board um for those people listening we've got um son first pick then Havertz, van dyke pulisic henderson um mendy chelsea goalkeeper ben rama alonzo bamford target ings stones uh sinistera Guaita and McKenna. So, uh, Mick, we might go to you first. Where do you think Craney sits? What do you think the strengths and weaknesses are of his team? First time uh, he's drafted. Yeah, that, that's something you got to keep in mind. The strength to his team is Sun. That, that's almost um, not the end of it. I think he's full of okay. <laughs> it sounded like the end of it. <laughs> well, you said it. He's got Havertz, Bamford, and Ings, which, if you look at it overall, I yep. think that's a solid forward line. Um, he's got options. He can rotate through them based on matches. I think Havertz, I know this is going to sound crazy. Uh -oh. I think Havertz <laughs> going in the second round might be a bit early. <laughs> Are you sure? Yep. Someone record that. I'll make it my ringtone. Um, I think as well, if you look at his midfield as a whole, Sun, Pulisic, Jordan Henderson, Ben Rama and Sinistera, there's not a whole lot of depth there. Um, Sinistera, I Inju little injury at the end of preseason. Um, he's coming from, I believe it was the Dutch League Eredivisie. Um, apparently he's a gun, but if he and he plays in the team, which could work really well if he plays, but he's out to start with. Jordan Henderson and Pulisic, I think round four and five, both of them probably way too early. Um, Pulisic could be fantastic. It's just, for me, too much risk to go there that early. Henderson just doesn't even play for v Liverpool captain, doesn't even guaranteed play. Um so I think that one's a bit of a risk. Ben Rama could be great. West Ham have a lot of those attacking mid and wingers. Um, so it's hard to know who's going to play. And I had Fornells last year. He was good when he played, but it was a bit hard to know when he was going to. So I think his midfield's a little bit potentially weak, you could say. Um, his forward line is relatively strong, but he did go a little bit early for Havertz. I think round nine and 11 for 
Bamford and Ings, though, fantastic work. So you could pretty much say they've offset each other, all of those. Um, and then his defenders, you got Van Dyke, nice and early, good. Alonso could be fantastic, but it's hard to say. Target, if he has that wing-back role for Newcastle, great. Stones, a bit of a risk, but I think there was an injury for someone going around, so it could get a start at the start of the year. Um, and McKenna, I have no idea about. So I, I think overall, it's actually not too bad. Um, he reached a little bit for Havertz. His mids are a little bit weak. I've got him as a, a, a C plus. Okay, Gilby. Yeah, no, pretty much similar to what you think there, Mick. Uh, for me, Ben Rama is borderline even draftable. I'd maybe only look at him very late. Uh, Alonso, really questionable for me. Bamford is injured again. Um, so he's probably out for at least a month at the moment. And I mean, going on his injury record last season, whether he even makes it back again, I don't know. Uh, so to me, yeah, all those identif- all those things you've already identified, Mick, I was a little bit more uh, harsh, but I gave him the benefit of the doubt and passed him. Given it's his first draft, I did a bit of a teacher trick and gone, yeah, you tried really hard, little Johnny. It's it's a good good effort. Um, I gave you a C minus. That doesn't happen, surely. Um, so <laughs> um, for me, I, I'm not. I can't really say too much that hasn't already been said. Other than you may have hinted at the Chelsea bias uh, there as well, because Craney uh, does love Chelsea, and I think that may not pay dividends for him, uh, given some of the picks that aren't starters. Starters. Uh, this season anyway. So um I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go a D plus only big and and that's taking like if I was take away the fact that Craney hasn't done this before, it was yeah, it would be it'd maybe not be a pass mark. So that I'm gonna go there. But do I think it's salvageable? Absolutely. Free agency, he'll dip into it. You know, if he's looking at the right stuff uh and like watching a few highlights and things like that, he'll pretty get a pretty good grip on where he should go and who he should trade pretty quickly. So I think if Noel is not lost for Craney, I'm sure he'll be able to put a good team together and continue to pick up good points. So that's sort of my take on it. Yeah, I, I think I didn't know about Bamford's injury, but if if I knew if all three of his forwards were starters, he's got four playing defenders. He only needs three midfielders. Hmm. If Pulisic starts with um, Sun and Ben Rama in there, Sinistera is a backup. It's not that bad. I think that there's definitely um, some room for improvement, but I don't think it'll get completely blown out of the water straight away. Hopefully it can at least hold on and get free agency happening. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's go and talk about Dave. So he picked up Kane with his first pick. Immediate F. Uh-oh. <laughs> for Ford. <laughs> well, Gilby, run us through it. So how did, how did Dave go? Who did he pick up? Yeah, no, I mean, we already hinted at it before. He's gone pretty safe and reliable with his first pick and gone Kane. Then he's gone for the shiny new toy in EPL, Darwin, with oh, his Dave doesn't pick. do that. Uh, he he yeah, never does that. Loves his shiny new things. Um, we might talk about Draxler if that comes up. Uh, <laughs> then he's gone double defender next, which is a bit of a surprise oh. for Dave. Uh, he's gone Reese James, followed by Perisic. Probably two of the most um, attacking defenders ever, though. Let's be real. Yeah. Perisic is a bit of a questionable one for me. Um, I'll come back to that a bit later. Uh, then he's gone four mids in a row. Uh, Odegaard, St. Maximin, Tielemans, and Lingard. Um, then gone back to defense for Cresswell and Zinchenko. Back up front for Skamaka, the new West Ham striker from the Serie A, I think from Torino, if I remember right. Uh, then Botman, um, new transfer in from Eredivisie. 
to finish off his defensive um, reinforcements. Then he's gone keeper Fabianski, who he's had before. Um, some unkindly refer to him as Flappy Hansky, but hopefully it doesn't turn out that way for Dave. Um, then he sharked me for a player I really would have loved with his second last. He's took Jensen, who is taking on Ericsson's role for Brentford, at least at the moment. Um, whether or not that turns out or not, but I was very annoyed that he took that off me in that second last round. Um, and then he took Bazunu with his last pick as a goalkeeper. So to me, uh, the things that stand out to me, I think Darwin is a risky one. Uh, shiny new toy coming to the EPL. Um, had a great record, but only for one season in Portugal. Um, I think uh, Klopp has come out really heavily supporting him, the whole team heavily supporting him. The Liverpool striker uh, here, Liverpool and City, everyone's picked for the top two in the league. So uh, it could be great. It could be mid like middle of the pack at least. So that's a risky one. Perisic to me is a little early given he's 33 now, I think, 32 or 33 years old and playing a wingback system for um, uh, Conte who works his wingbacks real hard. Um, that was maybe a little early, but could be great. I mean, but when I look at his team across the board, there's no real weaknesses that stand out. Um, a couple of selections that may turn out a little bit like with Perisic and Darwin there. So to me, I was really, really happy with Dave's drafting. Um, and I gave him, I was debating an A minus or a B plus. I went an A minus. So I was really, really happy. I'd be really happy if I had Dave's team. Great. Um, I might jump in here before you, Mick, if that's okay. Um, I I sort of agree. I think um, Darwin, yeah, he might be a little bit risky, but he, he will play games, um, especially with the injuries they've got at the moment. Um, I like the I like the backs. I like James Perisic, Creswell, Zinchenko, Botman. I think that's really really good, and I like the midfield in terms of like there's no there's no outstanding midfield, and you have to sort of if you don't pick up a premium midfielder at the very beginning, you sort of just have to deal with that. But I think he's gone really really solid. Um, I really really like it as well. Um, and but you know I think. I think it's a really good base to start from. So for Dave, I'm I'm going to B plus. I think it's uh it's pretty good. The only thing I guess I, I worry about just that tiny little bit is maybe the Fords in terms of Skamaka and Darwin, how well they're going to go, how much game time they're going to get to start with. But uh, otherwise, yeah, B plus, pretty solid, I reckon. Um, I'll start with. On our YouTube comments, we actually have the man who's explained his strategy himself. So I will explain that. Hey, let's he go. has said, first five rounds, his aim was just to get the highest potential point scorers available. Round six to 10, I just wanted to fill out my squad and a few regular minute players. Rounds 11 through 15, goalkeepers and high risk players. So kind of filled in a similar strategy to what I was saying in uh, last week in terms of leave your goalkeepers to the end. There's not that much in terms of differential between the say fifth goalkeeper through to the 20th um if you can get a fit and playing keeper so i think yes your premiums are still there but the rest of them are okay so i think in terms of that he's done pretty well if i yeah. look at it overall though i just went through it then so you've got darwin perisic lingard zinchenko skamaka botman jensen and bazuno so that's eight players that are new to their teams that, to me, signals a little bit of risk. Now, yes, yep. you've got um, Bazuno, Bazuno, 
technically, I think, within the league, not that he's played for Man City to Southampton. Um, uh, Zinchenko within the league, Lingard within the league, so you could argue that they're not that risky. And Perisic has played for Conte. So, yes, it's not as bad as I'm making it sound. Um, the other thing I would look at is, personally, I would not have had Darwin that high. I was, ne- I was never going to pick Darwin. If he was available in the sixth round, maybe. But I think with Diaz, Firmino, Jota, Salah, and him, five spots, four, uh, three players, it's always going to be a bit of risk. He's probably going to play because of that. Uh, he's, I guess, the money he's put in. I think Bobby's on his way out um, and Jota's always injured, but still a little bit too much risk there for me. What I look at, though, is who has the potential to haul in his team. If I look at his team, yes, Kane. Kane can haul massively. James can, theoretically. Has, yeah. And, and yeah. Um, you look at his midfielders, Odegaard, St. Max, Tielemans, Lingard. None of them really strike me as guys that are going to score me 10 points very often. Um, Zinchenko, Creswell, Botman, probably not. So I think if I look at his team, yes, it's safe. But if I compare that to, say, Gilby, De Bruyne, Madison, Chilwell, Ronaldo, Watkins, Digne, all of those guys have had multiple 10-pointers in a single year. So I, I think there's a little bit, there's a bit more safety to Dave's um, in certain aspects, but there's less haul potential. I, I think personally, I think Kane's a better chance to hauling than De Bruyne, but De Bruyne will have more eight-point rounds and less two-point rounds. So it, it'll be an interesting one. I guess at the end of the day, though, it doesn't matter. It's overall points, um, but I, I still think there's not many massive hitters there. I, I guess that happens when you don't pick a, a forward until, uh, sorry, a midfielder until round five, which is very much away from the strategy with, with other people have gone forward in yeah. the past, and that's one in the league. So, absolutely, um, yeah. That, I mean, it's a risk not going for a midfielder earlier on, but obviously he saw value elsewhere in the defenders. Um, and as I said, like, I, and talk about it when they get to me as well. Like that's a, was a common theme. Like defenders sort of started to pop up a bit earlier than what maybe they have in previous drafts that we've had. Um, so that'll be an interesting one to talk about as we move through. Um, for, for Dave's benefit, I'm going to go a B minus just because I think there's okay. a little bit a little bit of rotation risk there. Um, but I, I still think definitely a pass. If, if I'd walked into a league and I got given that team, I wouldn't be horrifically disappointed. I wouldn't have thought that I got shafted and that someone did it for me, um, but still not the team I would have picked. Uh, see, as a teacher, then I look at those three and I say, well, overall, B+. plus, Yeah, pretty good. Okay, cool. Let's move on. So, Dave, you're listening. B+, plus, buddy. Well done. Good job. Uh, you know, try a little bit harder next time. We'll get you that A, all right? Good good man. Well done. I, ga- I gave you an A, Dave. <laughs> no, well, you know. It takes an average, though, Gilby, to, to report on somebody. So, um, okay, boys, it's, it's my turn now. Have at it. Do you want me to quickly read through my list and then you guys can go to town on it? Does it sound good? Go for it. Perfect. So I went Haaland first, uh, Bruno Fernandez second, then Bowen, then Kulisevsky, uh, Bernardo, um, Gimerez, Bruno Gimerez, uh, Loris, Ivan Toni, uh, Gabriel, defender from Arsenal, Romero, defender from um, Tottenham, Martial as my third forward, um, Martinez, who the new pickup for Manchester United defender. Diego Carlos, who was uh, a centre-back for uh, Aston Villa. Dunk. And Pickford was my final pick. So, boys, how about it? Um, so, to me, um, 
I think it's really solid, as you'd expect. Um, Isaac was our former two-time in uh, champion. He's going for a hat-trick that Nate stopped him this season. So, I mean, as you'd expect, Isaac's drafted well. Uh, to me, the only thing I can probably pick you up on is all five of your mids have a question mark against them. Um, it could turn Ow. out really well for you, <laughs> or Ow. it could... T- so I'll, I'll go What's to Bowen's the question mark other than getting 150 so, points. <laughs> so to me, uh, Bruno Fernandez in the second round, I think it's a correct position for him. The question is, are you getting the Fernandez that arrived in the league or are you getting the Fernandez of last season, particularly for Ronaldo stays? I think even if Ronaldo stays, he was still one of the only midfielders actually creating chances for us. So I think to me, I'd be really happy with that selection. But to me, that's the question mark there. Uh, Bowen, uh, can he repeat that season is that question mark. Um, because as Mick's already identified, West Ham have got a lot of attacking mids. If you can't repeat that season, then it's a third round mid where potentially from previous seasons, I think he was being drafted mid to late rounds. So that's the question mark on Bowen. Uh, Kulisevsky, does he keep his spot from Richarlison? Because I've seen a lot of people predicting that Richarlison coming across from Spurs maybe goes to that right wing spot to start because if you have the attacking three, you have Son on the left, Kane up front and Kulisevsky to the right. Whether Richarlison is a rotation piece to cover Kane and Son, maybe, or is he starting for whose spot does he take? He's probably not going to take Son or Kane. In that case, he takes Kulisevsky. So that's the question mark there. Bernardo Silva was great last season. Uh, whether he makes the starting team, whether he maybe goes to Barcelona or elsewhere, that's the question mark there. And Bruno Guimaraes, great when he arrived in the season. Can a defensive holding midfielder from Newcastle score that many points again? Because defensive midfielders aren't rated highly at all in fantasy generally. So to me, that's the question mark there. But I mean, again, as Mick kind of hinted with Dave, if someone handed me that team, I'd be really happy with that team. It's really solid. I think you're going to be in amongst the top half of the league again all season. I think it's a B plus. Yeah, I'm along the same kind of lines. I think your first four picks, I can't fault them. I don't know whether it's my preference to strategy getting in the way. Um, I wouldn't have gone for my fourth and fifth mids in round five and six, personally. I look at Bernardo and Gamera's. Um, Potentially great signings. Uh, from what I've seen about Gamera's, the, the the system they're going to play, they're likely to have Willick and Joelinton in the middle there with him. Um, out of those three, Gamera's is the most defensive, so less likely to get forward. In saying that, he kind of played a similar role last year. So if he gets forward, Newcastle, you'd expect them to improve this year with um, funding just, I guess, improving every year. Um, I personally wouldn't have got there. In saying that, you look at your forwards, um, Harland and Tony, you can't really do much better than that. Martial as a third, as the the risk um, forward, I think it's great because if he ends up being the starter for Man U, your forward line's phenomenal, your your midfield's great. Um, then you look at your back line where you, you picked up your first back in round nine, Gabriel Romero, Lissandro Martinez, Diego Carlos and Dunk. Um, all centre-backs, um, all with the exception maybe of uh, Martinez goal threats from set piece, which I'm assuming that was deliberate or at least somewhat deliberate. My question mark is who is Arsenal's preferred center back bearing? Um, I assume Gabriel, I think he was better than Ben White, but it's, they've never seemed confident as to who it's going to be. 
Romero, I think this year will start every game, but that's, I think, who knows? They've also just bought Longley in a back three. They've also got Dyer, Ben Davies, um, yeah, Longley, Romero, Davidson Sanchez. So there's a few options there. Um, after that, Martinez, Maguire's the captain. Does that mean they're leaving out for him? Uh, it's a little bit of a question mark because that's, that's a massive call if that is what they're doing. Um, Diego Carlos, I haven't actually seen him at all. I know Villa just came to Australia. I don't know if he traveled. I don't know if he played. Yeah, he um, is he likely to start in place of Conser and Mings? If he does, potentially a great signing. Um, Dunk, I don't think he can go wrong. I think for 14th round, Dunk's a very, very not solid bad, signing. I thought, yeah. yeah 100%. Yeah. So I, I think midfield, I think, is fine. I don't know if there's full question marks that Gilby's referring to. Um, I think I, I still would have probably picked another, a defender earlier in round five or six. Um, looking at the guys you could have got, like your Trippiers, your Diniers, um, Dallo, Cucurella, Laporte. I think there's a few guys probably to take out the Diego Carlos and Martinez, the two newies to the, the league personally. Um, and I don't think you would have lost too much in that. So, I, and I think from my point of view is you look at that and you've picked up someone in round 12 that you must play because you've, you have to play at least three defenders. So theoretically, you've one of your round 12, 13, 14, 15 players must play, which my strategy this year was almost the opposite to make sure by round 11, well, by round 10, I have my 10 outfield players. So I think that that's probably a little bit of a strategy difference um, that I would have yep. looked at. But I, I think overall, you can't really fault it. Um, if Bernardo Silva leaves the league, might hurt you a little bit. Um, and if, if what Gilby is saying is true and Richarlison starts, if Kulisevsky goes to right wing back, may still produce, but not to the same extent. So uh, it'll be an interesting one. Um, I, I still don't think it's a bad team by any stretch. If Harlan fires, you're in for a good year. What's the rating, Mick? Come on. Well, I don't actually think I wrote one down when I got to this before. Oh, gee. Um, <laughs> no, I did. I did. I had an A- minus for you. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So you, you're the highest so far there from me. Well, so, like I said, I didn't. I, I literally didn't have a strategy. Like, I, I, I wanted a top five pick because at least I knew who I would probably pick. Other than that, didn't have anything. I, I, I generally don't go in looking at, well, I want to make sure that I pick up this position here, this position here, this position here. Um, I do have a bit of a tiered system, but it, they're very large. And it's basically, I look at the players who I think will get um, 200 points plus, 150 to 200, 100 to 150, so on and so forth. So, I had that. And pretty much as I went through, like it got to my second pick and I'm like, well, who, who, do, who do I trust at this point? Who's going to be nailed on getting attacking returns for a fairly decent team. As much as some people might say that Manchester United aren't, aren't a decent team anymore. Um, I think that Fernandez still has that potential and he's got 200 points plus before. So that was for me, somewhat of a no brainer. I was surprised that Bowen was still there in round three that late, to be honest with you. Like, he may not achieve 200 points again, sure, but he still is the best player in that team, what is a, still a pretty good team. So, again, I'm co confident that he'd get 150 points plus. Kulazewski, again, um, I... Uh, he'd definitely start game week one because Richarlison's uh, not <laughs> is out. He's he's suspended. Um, I really rated him. I think he had a really good last season. I don't see any reason why he shouldn't continue on. Whether he gets the amount of game time, who knows? But you know, there's risk in every player that we pick up at that point in time. But in terms of round four for a midfielder, when you've got people like Sancho, 
Martinelli, Mares. You could argue that Martinelli and Kulazewski are in the same boat, realistically, in my opinion. Um, Gumarez had a really good season, so I was happy to pick him up. And it got to a point where after that, at round seven, I th- I thought, well, wh- where do I go now? Larissa I was happy with because, again, 150 points, I'm pretty certain he'll probably get. I think Tottenham will travel pretty well. When it got to the backs, uh, Gabriel, Romero, like I, I went for centre-backs because, and I went for these centre-backs because I think they're pretty well nailed on. You could argue that maybe they're not, but I'm pretty confident that they'll start, at least at the beginning of the year. Um, Varane hasn't played any preseason, so I think Martinez will start the season. Uh, they might play back three. I, I don't know what they will play, what they won't play, but considering the new manager has bought him in, I would consider that he should play. We'll see how, how that goes. Um, so I went for centre-backs knowing that um, they may not be the most attacking, but what I had done in taking those midfielders was miss out on the majority of those attacking defenders. And so I was comfortable enough with that because I figured that there'll be enough wiggle room in free transfers to be able to pick others up if I need to. I've done it before, so I figure, hey, we'll see how that rolls on. So um, I like the team. We'll see how it goes. Just like any team, there's good things, there's bad things. But uh, yeah, we'll move on. So I don't have to rate myself, do I? We decided we didn't have to. Yeah, perfect. So Dan, let's have a look. We've got uh, Diaz with his first pick, then Jesus. Uh, Diaz with his third pick, but now the defender. Uh, Mares, Rashford, Cucurella, uh, Dallet, uh, Richarlison, Walker, Wilson. So that's Harry Wilson, I believe, from... Uh, is he playing for Bournemouth now? Uh, Fulham. Fulham. Uh, Saar, Martinez, so two keepers in a row. Solanke, Harrison, and Saliba, who is the Arsenal centre-back um, who uh, may start with with Gabriel at the, this point in time. We'll have to wait and see. So, um, Gilby, what do we sort of make of Dan's pickings at this point in time? Yeah, no, I think it was a much better draft than Dan has maybe produced in the past. Um, I was pretty pleased with that. Uh, to me, if I had to pick some weaknesses, I would say Ruben Diaz is his first defender. Um, I mean... He's the most reliable pick in the City backline, so I can understand it. Um, but to me, when I look at some of the other defenders that are available there, I would have gone more attacking, but that's my personal preference. I can certainly understand why you would take Diaz. So, I mean, I don't think it's a bad pick as such, but if I'm if I'm picking, that's probably something that did stand out to me, taking him that early. Um, other than that, yeah, so... It's a tough one for me. Um, Richarlison, I've already kind of highlighted. Um, Jesus is moving to Arsenal. He'll definitely start for them. And Ketty is sitting there, though. So if it doesn't work out for him, then his strike has become Richarlison, who may or may not play for Spurs, and Solanke, who the last time he was in the Premier League didn't do much of anything. So the forward line is maybe a little thin. Um, but I think the... One of the picks that stood out for me as well late on, Jack Harrison. I definitely had him on the board there, given that Sinistera's out injured. Um, and he's Harrison's been good in the past for me. So I like that one. I like his defenders in general. 
Cucurella um, may end up actually screwing me because I've heard now he's apparently a lot more strongly linked with Chelsea rather than City. So that could well affect my Chilwell pick. So that could sting. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure for Dan whether he'd shear more for City, Chelsea or Brighton. I think if he stays at Brighton, he'll be good. If he goes to Chelsea, he'll be a rotation player. City, rotation player. So again, like if you've got DS and Cucurella as your best, Dallo looks like he'll be our right back. Walker, maybe the City right back. Saliba may or may not play for Arsenal. So it could be good. It could turn out badly for Dan and it went badly for him last season. So I'm hoping it's an improvement. I think it's better drafting from him. I'm going to go a B minus. Um, I guess I was with him when he was doing that, um, the draft that night. He, he followed the same yes, general structure as me. First 10 all outfield players left one of each position, two goalkeepers after that. Um, we also, it, I don't know whether it was a benefit or a hindrance yet because we obviously had our picks back to back. Um, so we could kind of know, I said, oh, well, I'm not looking for this position, which could have been a good thing, could have been a bad thing. And there was no like screwing around, say I'm not picking a defender to pick a defender. Um, when, when I look at his team, Jesus, I think could be great uh, to get him in the second round. Pretty good, I think. I think it's probably justified where he is with how good he's been in preseason. I think Mares could be a phenomenal player this year. Um I think the easiest way for me to look at it, though, is you look at all of his mids, Diaz, Mares, Rashford, Wilson, Harrison. Um, with Sinistera, I don't know what Harrison's going to play. Um, it was last second last pick, though, so fair enough. Um, Wilson, I think, could be really good. Fulham, I think he's one of their main attacking outlets, so solid mid-table player, great. Mares and Rashford are a tough one, and potentially Diaz as well. So all three of them play wing for a great, well, a very dominant attacking team against a lower table team, but you can't guarantee where they're going to play. Um, I think this is one of this, you look at Dan's team and you want, you almost want Cucurella to stay. You want um, Dalot to play. You need, well, Cucurella stays because then Walker's more likely to play as well. So there's like a double up for him. If Cucurella goes, it kind of hurts him both ways. I guess he's guaranteed one of them to play but you just never know which ones. You kind of have to hold both. Um, but Mares, Rashford, and Diaz, you, I would assume one of those is going to come off the bench every week. And unfortunately, you have to play them all unless you, you're going to miss out on the points. So um, like Gilby said, though, forward line, Richarlison, it's hard to know. Um, Solanke, hey, even if he gets you two guaranteed points, sits on your bench, it's better than the other forwards that were left. So I was in a similar boat. I left my forwards till late. You just take whatever's left at that stage. So... I think overall it's okay. Um, there's probably some that reached a little bit high, but he, I think with his team though, there's a lot of upside. It could go really, really well for him. It's just, you just don't know. It's it's not a risk-free team. I think that's the biggest, easiest way to put it. So I'll, I'll go, a, I'm going to go safe. I'm going to schedule B again, um, but it has the potential to turn into an A team very quickly. It could also go into a C minus D plus team very quickly. So it, there's a little bit of risk there. Um, but if, if it all goes well, yeah, it'll be good. Yeah, yeah. Did you give a rating? You did. Sorry. I, 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 I just blanked B. out for a second. Yeah, you went I, B. I, just went, I went a straight B, but My I said apologies. it could, could go to an A. That's right. So I, I'm going B minus. Uh, I, I don't mind the team. I think, yeah, there's definitely risk there. I think that yourself and Dan having to pick where you picked is probably the toughest. 
to start like with the first picks that you had guys had. So I think that, you know, there's definitely risk in the midfield, but there's upside there. Like there's a high ceiling potentially, which, you know, could really, really go well for him. So um, yeah, happy to sort of uh, go with a B minus there. I think it's you've done pretty solid. So it'd be interesting to see what he maybe changes and tinkers with over the next couple of weeks as well, once he sort of sees how the team's playing. Um, and I guess that leads us into you, Mick. So um, let's have a bit of a chat about your team. Now, I might read this one out, but I might do it differently if that's okay. I might read like your goalkeepers, then your defenders, your mids, then your forwards. Do we think that might be go okay? Let's give that a go. I'm going to go with uh, goalkeepers, uh, De Gea and Ruddock. Uh, we'll go with our defenders. You picked up Alexander-Arnold, Tierney, an old favorite of yours, uh, Cash, Connor Cody and Jansen. Uh, midfielders, you went Saka, Sancho, Barnes, Bailey, Neto. And then your forwards, you went Wilson, Mitrovic, and I'm going to pronounce this totally wrong. Uh, does anyone else know how to pronounce it? I'm going to say... Awoni. Awoni. I'm going to take a stab at Awoni. Awoni. Yeah, cool. I like it. Um, I might start. I love your midfield, got to say. I think it's quality. Uh, Saka, Sancho, Barnes. Sancho could be a bit of a risk given last year, obviously, but I think the way that uh, the new manager wants to play, he's probably a good bet and he played pretty well preseason. Bailey, Neto, they're two like bandwagon fantasy choices at this point in time. Everyone's sort of getting on them because of their price. Um, Obviously, we don't play by price, but picking them up in rounds 10 and 11 is probably pretty good uh, for that that point in time. So yeah, love your midfield. Obviously, you've gone pretty attacking with at least a few, three of your picks for your defense, which I really love as well. TAA, Tierney, Cash. Is Tierney injured at the moment? Is he is he ready to go? I believe I, so. I think he's okay. I haven't okay, heard cool. anything. Cool. Just he's been injured a lot. So uh, I'm sure that's something that, that Mick, you will navigate through the season. Um, obviously, your. Uh, forwards, Wilson, Mitrovic, Ewanee. Let's go with that. Uh, probably, like, maybe maybe not as strong. Wilson always starts the year strong. Mitrovic scored a ton of goals last year, but will it translate? He hasn't got a great track record in the, in the Premier League. Um, but I really like your team overall. I would pro- I'd probably go an A, to be fair. That's just me. Oh, I, I like the team. I can see yeah. how it can work. Yeah, no, I mean... To me, the thing that stands out to me is if I look at your strikers, so if I look at Callum Wilson, uh, very injury prone, could be great, but very injury prone. If I look at Mitrovic, could be great, very red card prone, um, and coming up from the championship where he hasn't been great in the past. And then your third striker is Awaniyi. So uh, to me, one of those strikers is more than likely to be out most weeks for whatever reason. And a forest striker whether or not he scores or not. So if I'm saying you've got to play, maybe you decide to only play one striker, then that means you're going to play at a minimum, either you're going to play all five defenders or you're going to be forced to play one or both of Bailey and Neto. So that to me would be the only weakness there because Bailey may or may not play. He has looked pretty solid. I think that is a good pickup that late in the draft. I was looking at him there as well. So I think he's solid there. Neto, very bad injury record, but could be great. So that could be a really great pickup for you too. 
But yeah, if things go badly for you with either injuries or suspensions, then you could go pretty thin on the ground. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I like the draft. I'm not going to be as generous as Isaac with an A there. Um, but I think it's nice middle of the road. I'd be pretty happy with that draft. I'm going to be. Oh, fair enough. I mean, my theory with forwards was got to get two that are playing. At least have, as in guaranteed starters. Obviously, you can't predict injuries and red cards and whatever. Um, but assuming their teams, uh, so assuming they are fully fit, they're starting for their team. Yes, Newcastle that may change with signings or whatever. But I think right now he's their best striker. He's more prolific than Chris Wood. Um, Joel Ellington's kind of become a midfielder, so I think he's going to start for them. Um, Mitrovic, if he can get half of what he gets from last year and I realize, and I'm saying this in terms of they assume it's something like 50% of what they do in the championship translates to the prem. So if he gets 50% of that to 20, if he gets half of that 20 gets 10 goals, I'll take that from a Fulham striker. If I can guarantee Callum Wilson and another 10 goal striker, I think I'm in for a decent season, particularly where I picked them up. So I think there was a bit of risk in that. Um, my goalkeeper is a bit of rotation. I think I've seen Leno's just sign for Fulham, which could hurt me a little bit, but I would assume Rodak will start the first game at least. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I, I doubt Leno's gone there to sit on the bench at Fulham instead of the sitting on the bench at Arsenal. Um, so I'm assuming he'll start there. But I also don't think that's something other people are likely to jump in and trade for straight away. It'd be an interesting one if they did, but there's always other... The goalkeeper's there, but De Gea is going to start for Man U every game he's fit, so there's mm. worse players available there. So I think overall I'm pretty happy with it. Um, there's not too much I would change. Yes, Tierney's a little bit of a risk in round five with um, with Zinchenko going there now, but there's a lot of rumour he won't play in that role. Um, the, the ones, like I was saying, is I did pick up Mitrovic in round seven. Um, Jota was sitting there until round 11, and it was very, very, very tempting to pick him up earlier. Um, I managed to stay away from it. As for Awani, I picked him up in round 14 on the way back. So I picked him up in like pick number 120 something of the draft. It was purely, it was the third last forward available. Um, sorry to get picked up. The two after were Alvarez and, and Kedia. So it probably shows you who was available. I looked at them. He seemed like the most likely to start. So that's purely why I got him yeah. there. Um, and like I said last week, those last three positions of each, so um, Jansen, Awanee, and I think Neto, they're kind of my guys that I'm like, look, start the season, I'll pick them, if, and they're rotation fodder. So Bay and Neto, both of them, it's basically which one of those is more likely to keep playing. At this rate, I'd probably say it's by Bailey. Um, hmm. the, other, the other one can go in the can and get shot back in a free agency and I'll pick up someone new if needed. So I think pretty happy with how it looks to start. Um, hopefully it actually performs that well though. Yeah, like I, I think um, like Wilson for me, yeah, I could I could see being a bit of a reach, but I would suggest that like you'd almost think that Vardy would be available then. Like if if you're going through that, you're like, oh yeah, well third pick, I'll pick up Vardy because I think he'll be there, and I think you would have been pretty happy with picking up someone like Vardy at that point in time, right? Absolutely. So I I I think maybe Wilson's a touch of a reach, but at the same time, if you look down at the Fords after that who've picked up compared to the ones that have gone before, well, which one do you go with if you're really wanting to get someone in round three to make sure you've got someone? Like, do you go Antonio, who's injury pro and hardly scored anything in the back end of last year? Ronaldo, who may not be there. Watkins, who, you know, 
Will he play the whole season? Is he going to be nailed on? Calvert-Lewin injury problems as well. Like, who, who do you go with? So I can understand why you've gone Wilson. Could have you could you have held off a couple more rounds? Probably. Uh, but again, like I say, I like the team. So I think you've got enough flexibility there to play one striker if you want to. Uh, but I can see Wilson and Mitrovic at least both starting the season. So I think you've got you've got some pretty good options there, which is good. Um Let's move on to Nathan, shall we? So we'll do the same thing. So uh, goalkeepers, Ramsdale and um, Meslier. I'm going to say that wrong. I believe it's pronounced something different. Gilby, would you like to correct me? Uh, I think it's Melier. Melier, thank French. you. Because he's French. French for yogurt. So from there, uh, we move into defenders. So Laporte, Matip, Dyer, Semedo and Ricardo Pereira from Leicester. We'll jump into his mids. He's gone Mount, Coutinho, Martinelli, Rodri for Nels. And then we look at Ford. So he's gone Vardy, Welbeck, and Johnson from Forest. So, Mick, what do you take? We've already spoken about Vardy a little bit, obviously, but did he recover from that point, do we think? Um, I think his next three picks, great. Mount, Coutinho, Martinelli, hmm. great. Um, Laporte and Matip, they were an interesting two at that stage, I found. Um Old Faithfuls, I think, for Nathan. That, that's, I think, where it was. I mean, I, I say maybe it was a bit of a reach, but you could Laporte almost... Got 160 argue, points or something yeah, last you, year. you so. could argue they're guaranteed starters in the team. I guess the other players available at the time were Trippier, Digne, Doherty, Alonso. So there, there's not too much else, really. Um, I mean, if you can get a guaranteed starter in a Man City or a Liverpool defence, they're going to score you good points. So it's always handy, um, yeah. Unfortunately, I think Matip's injured himself already in preseason, or was it Kanate that's done that? One, one of Liverpool guys has. Kanate has. Okay, well, Matip yeah. looks even better now than yeah, um, yeah, yeah. less rotation risk right now. Where I think it lets him down a little bit, I think overall his forwards are a little bit weak. Um, Welbeck, Welbeck could be great. It's hard to know. If you're going to talk about injury risk, well, there's your like pinup boy just about. Um, Brennan Johnson, I mean, if he's a starting player on pens. It's not too bad. Guaranteed two points. Just probably not going to get much more than that very often. Um, it's it's Rodri and four nails. Rodri particularly, I think it was a bit of a, not a bit. I think that's a big reach, really big reach. Um, round seven, uh, round seven, yeah, round seven there. Ramsdale round eight's okay. Four nails round nine. I was a big fan of four nails last year. Yeah, it's bad. just it's hard when to you, know who they're going to pick because when you got, look at the midfield after that, like who the yeah. midfielders got picked up for that, I don't mind that pick, and I don't mind Rodri, maybe a, a bit high, but um, I'd personally yeah. be looking at like your Harry Wilson though, probably mm. before um, for Nails in that sense because he's yep. he's a more guaranteed starter. Yes, he may not give you your, your attacking returns as often, but if you play every game, you get four points. If you come off a bench attacking return and don't get a start in the other, it's still four points. So. I'd prefer 180 minutes and the chance to get more than 30 minutes with the occasional return, which I guess is my risk-averse strategy generally, which is why I try and avoid your Jotters, your Martials, those types of guys. So I think overall it's not too bad. Um, that In patches, it's really strong. I think Vardy, if you look at it holistically, Mount Coutinho, Martinelli, Laporte, Matip, Ramsdale – that's a great six to build your team around. Vardy as well, sorry, seven. It's the drop-off after that. Semedo and Ricardo and Dyer, a bit of a risk. Uh, Tottenham's defense, I don't know if Dyer's going to start. Semedo, injury-prone. Wolves weren't phenomenal last year, and he's not the attacking outlet 
a wing back like others. Um, and Ricardo, I think, has maybe done an injury as well. There's a few guys that have been injured since that draft. So yeah. he was yeah. the last pickup, so it doesn't really change too much. Um, but yeah, I, overall, I'll, I'll give him... I would like his team less than a few of the others, so I guess I can't go a B. I still think it's a pass. If I got given that team, it's workable. There's enough of the the, the key players that you need to build a draft around. Um, so uh, we'll... We'll go a C plus, B minus, C plus. I'll, I'll go C plus. Yeah, cool. Um, I'm going to be a bit meaner. Uh, Rodri in round seven was my comfortable pick for worst pick of the draft. Um, I don't think he should have been drafted. Um, so to draft him in round seven, you I think worse than Henderson at five. Yes. No, um, disagree. I can disagree. <laughs> I disagree. Disagree. I, I'd, I'd rank. I'd rank them pretty close together um, as worst picks. But to me, I do, uh, Henderson is at least more attacking. Whereas Rodri, I don't know how many goals he scored in his entire career. But uh, hey, but when he city, does, they're memorable. Uh, <laughs> I'll give you that. Um, yeah, I mean Henderson pick five. Yeah, I, I gave a cranny a pass to that because he kind of based on name and he wouldn't really have followed it too much. But for Nathan, who's been with us for a long time to draft a defensive mid that early, I thought was not a pick at all, um, but he's gone there. Um, to me, that again, similar sort of thing. If Vardy is injured and Welbeck is injured, then he's left with Johnson up front. And then he has to play his midfield. Matt Coutinho, Martinelli, I can support those. Uh, Coutinho, I don't know. Maybe that's a little bit of a reach for me there. But if one, if his forwards don't work out, then playing Rodri and Fonals most weeks, I don't think is going to work out. So to me, it's too thin. It has some of those issues that we've identified before. Vardy was way too early. Um, Coutinho Johnson, I would have rather had Awaniwi um, than Johnson, but that's for, that's for me. I would have gone a D, but given Nate absolutely burnt me last season, left me with a giant egg on my face, I have to pass him. So I'm saying a C- minus for the fact that he's our reigning champ. And look, we know his 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 play during the season's pretty good. Like that's how he won it last year. I think he's drafted better than what he drafted last year, to be fair. So um, you know, I don't see a Pepe in there, which is good. Um, so I think that I, you know, I, I definitely think it's a pass. I think it's bordering like a, a sort of a, a C plus B minus if I'm being generous. I, I don't mind the midfield. I think, yeah, maybe Rodri could be someone else. And if he was someone else, I think that that midfield would be in a pretty good position. Um, and then we'll just have to see what happens with some forwards moving forward. Um, so, you know, not, not too bad. Um, I guess then we move on to Ben, who's our last one. Um, so Ben, looking at the goalkeepers, Allison and Henderson, two goalkeepers there. Then he went uh, with his backs, Cancelo, Thiago Silva, Maguire, Ben Davies, and Walker Peters. So he finally got some Southampton, uh, one of his Southampton boys in there. Um, midfield, Sterling, Grealish, Eriksen, Gallagher, and Fraser. And then forwards, Antonio, Mbuemo, and Firmino was his last 40 picked up in round 14. Um, so Gilby, what are your thoughts there? Um, I think first three picks, pretty solid, personally. Yeah, well, I, I knew it would have done Mix Hart uh, good to see Sterling go in the top 10. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
would have loved that one. Um, but yeah, I I was surprised that Cancelo was still there. I thought he would have maybe gone earlier. Um, so yeah, I'm, I rate that one. Sterling, <laughs> he's become a little bit of a meme. I think maybe a little bit unfairly because he has been elite before. Oh, he just um, scores. He just scores points though. Like he still yeah, scored a, yeah. like 150 points last year. It's ridiculous. Yep. So, I mean, if he becomes the main one of the main Chelsea attacking outlets, which it looks like he probably will be, then that's a great pick. Grealish, uh, that's a hard one for me. Um, I would not like to have Grealish in my team because he's one of those ones where if he plays, then, yeah, he'll be good. He's a lot more likely to be a player off the bench to maybe cover attacking positions. And who's he not... competing with? Sterling's gone, uh, mate. Who's he competing with? So this is the thing. Well, which one do we go with? So at the moment, if I had to guess, I would say that Mares has the position on the right. Haaland has the position up front. And then on the left, I'm going to say Foden. Um, so Grealish kind of plays across the front three there. Um, so because... Other than that, you think Alvarez is probably covering for Haaland, maybe also on the left. And then we've got Palmer or maybe involved Bernardo Silva. So I think they're a little bit... He's probably a little bit more likely to play than he was last season, yeah, with Sterling gone. But I think Foden has the first selection with that um, uh, that spot there. You may disagree, but that's, for, that's um, the best attacking three for me at City. So, yeah. but other than that, I mean, I think it was really solid. Ericsson that late, um, I liked that pick. Gallagher, I'm not sure on. Um, whether or not he stays at Chelsea or not defines the quality of that pick. If he stays at Chelsea, it's not a good pick. If he goes to another team, it's a great pick because he think, was um, absolutely great for Palace oh, last yeah. season. In my opinion is if Chelsea keep him and don't play him, they are stupid. Honestly, like he will change the dynamic of that team just by being in it. That's just my opinion because he was at Palace. So I hope that if Chelsea keep him, they actually play him because he is quality. It just depends on their structure, though, because I know that Tuchel or Tuchel, however you pronounce it, or whichever we're going with at the moment, he generally goes uh, a little bit defensive at the center of the park there. So I'm seeing most predictions are saying that Kante has one role, um, and then the other role probably goes Jorginho. So does Gallagher probably maybe be the backup for Jorginho and maybe Kovacic is the backup for maybe both of them? I don't know. But that's a tough one for me to kind of take that earlier player that may or may not play at all if he stays at Chelsea. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty solid. Um, I, I was really, really happy for him that he got a Southampton player and a good one with one of his last selections with Walker Peters. I would have liked to have him in my team. Uh, and having a late lottery pick on Firmino to maybe score some goals is good. I think it's a pretty solid draft from Ben. I went a B minus. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I'm too too dissimilar. Um, I, I don't think Grealish is as bad a pick as it could be. Yes, there's rotation risk, but remember, that's going to be pick 27 of the draft. So it is quite late. He was last of the third round. Um, I look at his team and his forward line worries me. Um, Antonio and Buemo Firmino. Firmino, even if he does play, isn't a forward. I realize that was the fourth last forward. It was the second last round pick, second last round. So it is what it is. Um, Cancelo, great. Thiago Silva, I would say, will be a guaranteed starter in that team. Um, his fitness is going to be the issue as a 36-year-old, something like that. 
Um, but Koulibaly's coming in. They've lost Christensen and Rudiger, so I don't really know who else they have other than Chalobah. And <laughs> there's Saar as well, I think, another guy from Chelsea. Um, Chalobah uh, go around will continue. They're apparently, think, yeah, they're apparently bringing in a few. Okay. Uh, I think Maguire's a good pickup, to be honest. Um, I, I literally turned my microphone off the other night. I turned to Dan, I pointed at Maguire's name and said, I want to pick this guy up, but I don't want the ridicule attached to it. So I didn't pick him up. Um, I ended up going Connor Cody instead. So a little bit less risky. <laughs> well, not less risky, a little bit less uh, egg on the face if it goes wrong. So <laughs> I, I think that's a good pickup. Ben Davies, probably not as much. Um, from everything I've seen, he, he, he's a left back, a left-sided center back. The way they're likely to play is Perisic or uh, Sessegnon or Regulon, whoever it is at left back, is going to play a lot higher. So that left center back needs to be able to effectively play left back. So it needs to be quite mobile, which does help Davies. Um, they had, I think it was Davidson Sanchez playing there in whatever preseason game they were having, and he just got annihilated. Um, so then rumor is Longley came in after that and steadied the ship a lot. So I would expect he's probably going to be there. Um, in saying that, Longley wasn't picked up in our draft. There's an easy straight swap there if that is what it is. So yep. I, I don't think it's that bad. Um, Fraser, fourth last round, could be great. He, if he stays fit, he can play. Um, he's got a couple of good forwards there with uh, Wilson as well. Who um, Did they go way back to Bournemouth or somewhere before that as well? He used to play with them. Um, so a bit of a, a link there as well. So a bit of an interesting one, but I, I don't think he's drafted too poorly. There's a couple of reaches. I think obviously Gallagher, um, that's he's picked on Palace form, not on Chelsea form. So that one's a bit of a, I, th I would say a mistake. Um, so I think there's only probably two or three there that maybe you look at going, Oh, I don't know about that. Um, Allison in the fifth round, but like Isaac said, you can't really blame it. You look at the guys he had to pick up after and Allison's going to score more points, assuming he stays fit. So I, I would say it's probably about a C plus as well. Um, if I look at all the teams, it's not my favorite team, but, would I prefer it to Nathan's? Probably about the same on par. So C plus. Yeah. Look, C plus for me as well. I think does this is a question for Gilby. Where does Ericsson fit into Man U team? That that's my one concern. Like Ericsson, are they gonna play him in Champions League? Are they gonna play him in the league? Are they gonna play him consistently? I, I struggle to understand where he's gonna actually fit at this point. Yeah, it's a hard one. Um because it depends if we play a 4-2-3-1 or we play a 4-3-3 of some variant of that. But uh, a lot of eggs, I think, at the moment are being put on the hope that we maybe get De Jong from Barcelona. Uh, if we do, then he's a massive upgrade on holding midfield um, on Fred. Um, so that means he'd probably be more likely to play twin number eights and probably play both yeah. Fernandez and Eriksen. If we don't pick him up, then it's kind of trouble because uh, Ericsson, I don't really see playing a box-to-box -box role. I think he's more of a solid playmaker. Yeah. So he's kind of only number 10, and that's Fernandez's best position too. So Fernandez is probably arguably more box-to-box. -box. So it's a tough one. I think it could work out great. I think Ericsson, when he plays, will be on dead ball. And if you think him crossing the ball to Ronaldo... Uh, that could work out great for him. Um, and I really like Ericsson as a player and a person as well. So, I mean, I've always got a bent of picking up players I like. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I really like the pick. But, yeah, it could wind up being a highly paid bench warmer. Yeah, fair enough. So, I think, yeah, there's a few little risks in there. But uh, 
I got to say, I think Ben's drafted pretty well and nothing that can't be changed in free agency relatively quickly if things need to happen. And like I said at the very beginning, I think overall, um, this is probably one of the better drafting sort of one of the better drafts we've had in terms of, you know, not too many questionable picks. Everyone's got solid teams to start. um, And I think that it'll just be interesting to see how people adapt as the season goes on. So I think that's pretty good. So uh, given we've done that, uh, we, we've got to cross to Gilby, if you will. You've got a few um, a few things to talk us through uh, in regards to some numbers that you'd, you'd like to bring our way. Yeah, we were going to get into this last season, but um, uh, a nameless podcaster uh, crashed the podcast early, so we'll leave that. Um, so a few notes that I had for uh, everyone for this season that might help for the standard fantasy and the draft fantasy. So something to note, you can now play a 5-2-3. So you can play all five defenders now for the first time, so you only need to play two midfielders now. So the rules have changed that you only need to play three defenders and one striker. So there's no actual minimum three midfielders anymore. So that may change it uh, for some people. You may want to pick up some of those defenders and maybe look at playing a five at the back and only two mids if you have to. So that's something to have a look at. The other note for me, the World Cup, no EPL between November the 13th and Boxing Day. Oh, no. What are we going to do? Yeah, month and a half there. Possibly World Cup, I guess. Yeah, I suppose <laughs> we'll make do with that. Uh, let's hope Australia gets out of the group. But anyway, we'll see how that goes. Um, and then I was debating, is it better to have a month and a half off or be match sharp and potentially tired from the World Cup? I just wanted to get your really quick pick on that. Is it better to have the month off or is it better to play the World Cup? What do you think of your fantasy assets? Month off. Yeah, play a month off, to be uh, fair. I think with... Uh, not not the travels all that far, but it's not exactly going to be pristine conditions to play football over there. Yeah, or um, uh, have the group stages and then get get knocked out in the group stages. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> I think go over there, play three games, come back, have an extra week and two weeks yeah. off. That'd work. That'd be ideal, to be honest. Um, but I think if you have got like a Brazilian, an English, uh, um, Portuguese, Spanish, one of the Germany, one of the countries that's going to more than likely run deep, I'd prefer them not to be playing. If you've got like a Ronaldo, for instance, going to play 90 minutes every game. I'd prefer him not to be playing uh, 720-odd minutes in the space of three weeks. I'd prefer him to be sitting on a beach instead. Fair enough. So I've seen lots of debate on that as to whether a match sharpness uh, maybe counters that. Uh, That's something to actually have a think about then. So uh, two things I was going to talk to you guys about. A new rule change for the first time, five subs for the whole season. Mm. So there's been a lot of debate on the effect on that. So I actually found a really cool article, and I'm going to give a shout out to Draft Society. I've really liked them for a while. Um, I signed up to their stuff before, and I found this article here. Someone has actually gone through and said, which managers will frustrate us the most when they have five subs? So what they did is they found all 10 managers. So those are the big six with Eric Ten Hag statistics from Ajax representing them. And then the rest of the big six and the other four managers who are currently at their clubs uh, during when they had five subs, so like Project Restart, FA Cup in Europe. So the other four outside of the big six were Brendan Rodgers, David Moyes, Graham Potter at Brighton, and Ralph Hassenhutl at Southampton. So out of those 10 managers, all right, which do you think came out the most frustrating manager for fantasy assets and use five subs the most? Rogers. 
I got no idea. That, that's actually where I was probably going to go as well. <laughs> All right, interesting. The most rotation manager, the worst for fantasy assets with five subs was Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool. Um, so he comes out the worst of the statistics. So in order from the top, it goes Klopp is the worst, followed by Potter at Brighton, uh, famous for a lot of rotation with his starting lineups as well. So frustrating one there. Arteta at Arsenal was third. Then Conte at Spurs. Uh, given the system he plays, really high intensity, we'd probably go with that one. Uh, Ten Hag in the middle with fifth, obviously based on Ajax statistics. Uh, Pep was sixth, which is an interesting one for me because a lot of the uh, narrative around Pep has been Pep roulette and rotation and everything like that. Um, He did not come out. uh, No team averages more minutes per starting player than City um, out of all that. So per starting player, he uh, averages 87 minutes. So they made the fewest subs in the league by far in during that five sub area. So that was an interesting one for me because I've personally stayed away from city assets in the past based on the pep roulette and not liking rotation managers. So I really like um, that surprised me when I read that before the draft and made me more likely to take KDB. So that may affect some people's thinking as well. Tuchel was seventh. Um, Brendan Rogers was eighth. Um, David Moyes was ninth. And the best manager for the least rotation was Hassan Hootel at Southampton. So I thought that was a really interesting one. The full articles on Draft Society, if you really want to look at all the numbers, which I won't bore people with now at 10.55 on a Tuesday night. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I thought that was a really interesting one there for me. Um, The only other one I found as well in my research, uh, the effect of European competition. So for some people, they look at, is it better to have European football, particularly playing Europa League on a Thursday for some unlucky teams? Um, Geez, I hate those people. Um, But anyway, playing Europa League on a Thursday and playing uh, on the weekend, is that better or worse for your EPL? What do you think they found? I reckon it was better. Better, yeah. All right, so um, they did a study on eight teams, both with and without European football from 2015 onward. And they found that teams without European competition, on average, finish one and a half positions higher in the table, and their primary fantasy assets average two and a half more starts each. So obviously this season, the teams that have swapped around, uh, Arsenal now have European competition where they didn't last season, and Leicester do not. So that's been the swap from last season, whereas Leicester had European, they don't this season. So maybe Madison versus Saka, that have helped perfected my thinking. I went Madison uh, in the hope that just concentrating the EPL would really help him. Uh, whereas something like a Tielemans versus Odegaard or Martinelli, something like that. Uh, you could also consider the case of Spurs that got eliminated early from Europe. Um, so... That made Son a lot higher and a lot of people's thinkings as well. So, yeah, I mean, maybe having not having Europe is going to be really good for Leicester. Maybe we can make the other argument as well. In the long run, Europe is obviously what everyone's aiming at. So, yeah, yeah. I thought those couple articles with those numbers is really good. No, very nice. Yeah, I think, um, does that mean maybe Vardy is a better pick than Jesus? Possibly. It depends if you believe that Vardy's hamstrings and knees and uh, everything else holds up. I think it was it green he did a few times. I think it's maybe hamstrings. Maybe, but yeah. if, if he holds up and he starts most games, he's probably a 20-goal striker. Um, so that could work out really well for Nate. And given his luck last season, 
he's probably going to get the golden boot. Yeah, look, Vardy always comes to the party. We know that. Hey, it's going to be fun. Well, uh, thank you, Gilby. That's that's some really good information, which probably would have been handy before the draft. To be fair, so um, you know that that's okay. We, we won't we won't uh, we won't slate you too much for that. Before we go that was on more to the last my fault one. than yours. Can I add something to Gilby's numbers here? Yep. So while all this has been going on, I've gone through our draft. I've gone through the uh, price values that the game has given them and added up who has the most valuable team. Oh, cool. Any prediction as to who has the most valuable team and who has the least valuable team? I'm going to say Liverpool most valuable. No, and, I, and I mean in terms of our managers. Our, our, us as managers. Oh, our so managers. out of the oh, 15 right, right, right. players we all picked up, who's who has the largest budget? Now, anyone off the top of the head know what's the budget in the official game? It's in the 100 uh, I think it is, yes. That does okay. sound right. It's either 100 or 80. I think it's a round number. I can't remember what it was, but well, 100 does sound right. In our league, the most valuable manager's team is worth 100 million exactly. Wow. You could act- oh, tell me who, because I'm going to actually make that uh, my FPL team then. I'll guess Isaac as the most valuable, and as the least valuable, I'm going to guess Ben. So, coming in first is Gilby. Hey. Now, the big thing to remember here is you got a first five pick, which and you got Ronaldo at pick five. Yes, so you've got two four. 10 million plus players. Second, Jeff at 99.5. Isaac third at 99. Craney fourth at 95. Dave fifth at 93.5. Equal with Ben at 93.5. Seventh, then it was Dan at 92. Eighth is Nathan at 90.5. And my team doesn't crack 90 at (laughs) 89.5. I take my A minus back then, Mick. Sorry. My apologies. I got it wrong. Every so Jeff has a 13 mil, Gilby has a 12 and a 10 and a half, Cranny a 12, Dave 11 and a half, Isaac 11 and a half. Dan doesn't have any, anyone above an, oh, eight and a half million is his most expensive, which he got in round eight, which I don't even remember who that was. Um, my most expensive, yeah, and my yeah. most expensive was eight million. There you go. So, and then Nathan's got a nine and a half, and Ben's got one 10 million. So, a bit of an interesting one there in terms of value. There you go. Well, Gilby, I'm going to start with your team for the season, my FPL, and just let the let. I'm not even going to touch them. I'm going to let it run the whole the whole season. If I don't get first in that competition, I'm going to be extremely disappointed, Gilby. Well, I mean, if you want to go with that, then go for it. I don't like your chances, but go I'm for it. I'm trusting you here, Gilby. I'm trusting you, pure and well, simple. I mean, I do like to trust the numbers. Uh, as a fellow uh, maths teacher, um, I think you probably agree with the numbers generally, but you've been a lot better at me than going with um, some in-season transfers and not getting attached to your team as much. So that's something I'm hoping to learn from you this season. <laughs> well, let's talk about this season. Let's talk about the end of the season. Let's quickly go through a top four and a bottom three for the EPL um, teams in general. So want to give some fearless predictions, top four. So maybe we'll do top four first. Let's see if we've got some continuity in the top four for the EPL. Um, Mick, did you want to kick us off there? Who's your top four this, this term? Keep it short and sweet, a little bit different. I reckon I got a feeling um, I won't be alone here, but coming in fourth, I've got Arsenal. Back to Champions League positions. Coming in third, I've got Liverpool. Coming in second, I've got Tottenham. First, Man City. So I think Conte, second year, um, getting the players he wants from Inter Milan, I don't think it'll take Perisic long to fit into his team. 
Um, I think the defenders they've got are highly rated, though they're not proven in the Prem. Romero, Longley, um, I rate Sanchez, but obviously may not get much of a game there. I think with Loris behind them, if he can have a good season, which he generally does around um, World Cup years, I think they'll go pretty well. Um, Harry Kane's son, Kulisevsky was great towards the back end of last year. If I use that form, they're going to go well. Arsenal's a tough one, but I can't see them being worse with Jesus there. The only thing, like you'll be said, is European commitments. But I think you could argue they're, they're getting to the point where they've got the depth now. You've got a guy like Emil Smith-Rowe who can't crack the starting team. He's going to get guaranteed minutes in the number 10 role or off the left wing in um, in Europa, uh, Europa League, is it, they're playing in? Um, yep. And then Enkedia will get the starting time up front instead of Jesus. Um, they, they've got options there now. So I, I think Arsenal will do quite well. Obviously, leaving Chelsea, that's a tough one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's a fearless prediction. It's not a boring prediction. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go. I'll, I'll give mine now, and then we'll wrap up with Gilby. Uh, I'm going to go with, again, uh, Arsenal, fourth. Uh, third, Tottenham, fourth, Liverpool, uh, and first, City. I, I don't see Liverpool having as good a season, but I don't see them getting toppled by Arsenal or Tottenham at this point in time. I think they still have enough depth there. Um, so that's sort of where I'm going. I, I, I agree exactly with what Mick said. I think Arsenal have got some good depth now and I think they'll beat out Chelsea personally. Um, and, you know, we'll just have to wait and see if that pans out. Gilby, what do you think? Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, I cannot bear to not pick Manchester United um... for the Champions League. Um <laughs> So I've gone Man United fourth, but I'm... I is there really, an asterisk next to it? Yeah, 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 there actually is. I do have an asterisk, literally have an asterisk on the screen right now. Um, acknowledging the fact it's definitely more heart than head, that pick. Um, if I if I had to, if I was being honest, I probably would say Spurs fourth for me. Um, I would be happy with Manchester United if we at least improved our performances and had a positive goal difference and actually played <laughs> as a team. Uh, that's how oh, low yeah. my standards are at the moment. Cool. Um, so if I heart says Man United, head says Spurs, I'm saying Arsenal third, I'm saying Liverpool second, and I'm saying City are winners. Very good. Well, we'll have to wait and see how it pans out. But I think, uh, I've got to say, I think those particular teams are well represented in our draft as well. So I think that a lot of people probably have those same thoughts. We've we've all left Chelsea out. Now, yeah. is in the next month, by the end of August, how much can we expect that potentially to change? A lot, because it mm. depends on their uh, signings, because their centre-back looks really thin for me at the moment, and up front looks really thin for me at the moment. Um, yeah. So that uh, that could really change a lot. Because I love the Sterling signing. You know, I think that's a really good one. He's going to get more minutes, be a better fantasy asset, but just in general, good good player. But uh, yeah, they're thin. They're thin. Um, um, I hope they play Gallagher. I think he'd be a big addition. They might have to change their system slightly, but I hope that they play him because he's really, really good. Um, but, you know, we'll have to wait to see who they bring in. So there are predictions, boys. Boys, we've been through everything. We've been through all the, all the different managers and their teams. So... Uh, we had bottom Looking three in our to list it. to maybe talk oh, about bottom relegated three, yeah. teams. Sorry, my apologies. Bottom three. How did? How could I forget? Um, we'll go in the same order. So, Mick, bottom three. Now, the safe way to do it is to pick 
at least two of the promoted teams. So I've done <laughs> that. Um, I've gone Bournemouth and Nottingham Forest, which is probably different to what a lot of the other two other people are saying. Um, I think a lot of people are saying Nottingham's going to stay up. I've kind of gone the, the complete opposite reasonings here. So Bournemouth, I think I read today, only have eight senior players or something available. So they're a really thin squad. Um, and I think Scott Park is the manager and he's basically said, we'll be doing lucky to still be alive as a club, basically, let alone still be competing. So they don't give themselves much of a shot. Um, and then Nottingham Forest, interesting one. They could do a bit of a Brentford, but they also, to me, strike me like they did, I think it was Fulham or Norwich two or three years ago, where they've bought absolutely everybody, not necessarily quality. They've just bought a lot of people um, and they're trying to basically play a brand new team, at least from what I've seen. I haven't looked into it that strictly, but it seems like they've they've brought in almost too many people that I don't know how the well they're going to gel together. So I've got Bournemouth and Nottingham Forest. Now, then I went through it. I said, okay, well, let's keep Fulham in the league. And I said, well, what current team in there can I drop out? And I was like, well, West Ham and Leicester are too good and Everton, or oh, surely they won't. And to be fair, they probably could, but Palace and Brighton are solid mid-table teams, if not top half teams, the way they played last year. So one of our uh, managers won't be overly happy, but I've got Southampton in 18th there. Um, I like Hausenhoodle. Um, I like Ward Prowse. I just don't like their chances. <laughs> yeah, the, I think that they're going to be tough. Mine, um, I'm going to be even bolder than what you are, Mick. I'm going uh, Bournemouth, definite. Uh, their, their last spot for me. I'm then going Southampton. Uh, I think that they will just struggle. I don't think they've picked up enough quality in enough areas, and I think they will definitely struggle. And I'm going Everton. I I I, I don't know how they're going to go. They're picking up players from Burnley. Um, that's not a good sign, is it, surely? Um, and uh, their coach keeps just throwing the team under the bus at every opportunity. I'm not sure how they're going to get better when they've lost their best player and haven't really got in a player of that caliber back. So I, I don't know. I I think it'd be really interesting to see Everton go down. So that's why they're in my bottom three. And to finish off, I'm sticking with Bournemouth. I just don't see they have enough quality to stay up. I am saying Fulham as going down. I don't think that Mitrovic can score enough. I think he's more likely to get red cards than score. Uh, but that's my personal opinion. Um, and I think the last spot comes down to, I was deciding between Everton, Southampton and Leeds to me, because uh, Leeds' defence does not impress me at all, unfortunately, yep. as much as I love the football they play. Um, so they could very much be in there, unfortunately. I, do, I really do hope Leeds survive. But if I had to, I'm going to pick Everton. Uh, as much as it might be painful for a lot of people, they've spent money like uh, the worst of drunken sailors in the last couple of seasons. So <laughs> I don't really see them bringing in smart recruits. Um, I actually think it's probably, like I think they did a really good piece of business to sell Richarlison for the money they got for him. But uh, I just don't see enough quality coming in to actually improve their results and they did really well to avoid the drop last season. Um, I'm not sure I see it happening again if they don't uh, change things pretty quick. I don't think a preseason with Lampard at the helm is actually going to make too many big improvements, to be fair. like I'm sure he's a great coach, but just with the incomings they've got at the moment, when you're picking up Burnley players as your recruits, 
Uh, I don't see how that's actually a successful formula, but we'll just have to wait and see, I guess. Um, so, boys, some bold predictions there. Thank you very much, and thank you very much for for uh, jumping on with me in this podcast podcast slash live stream. Thank you very much, boys. And uh, look, we've got our first round coming up this weekend. Everyone will put their teams in, and we'll get to dissect what that looks like uh, and see who the 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 front runners. Maybe who needs to maybe make some changes to their squads and uh, we'll have a look at that next week. So boys, thank you very much. Best of luck. And uh, we'll catch up next week. Catch you later. Perfect.